Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Tim? Yay. I feel like I'm going to kind of go, you know, give it the whole kind of heavy metal, you know, kind of... Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me at the back? That's it. I'm not doing the kiss face. That would be too scary for people this time in the morning. So I'm Anthony. It's my uh, privilege to lead Ivy in lots of different places that we meet in and uh, to have effectively teams of teams that are taking place um, to enable this to happen here and this and, and today Ivy Fuse which meets over in Partington it's their first birthday they've been going a year in there and they're celebrating that and then we've got one at Didsbury we've got something at Mersey Bank we've got um, all, all different places where there's teams of people that are meeting together um, to help to reach out together to different places and different kinds of people and it's so exciting that, that God's doing that and to be able to be a part of it and um, I was um, I've been travelling quite a bit the last few weeks. Andrew, who uh, met at the door, kind of said, oh, I've been noticing you've been travelling around a little bit in the last few weeks, and it's true. When I look back, it's been fairly kind of dizzying few weeks for me. I was in America um, at a thing called Exponential, which is a really um, big gathering of church leaders and church planters in Southern California. Somebody has to go. And um, so that was uh, fairly nice. And then, um, and then after that, uh, I've been to, where else have I been? Lambeth Palace. Um, we're meeting some of the kind of people who are sort of big leaders if you like in big churches you know in my world if you like it's people that I'm like oh wow what am I doing in this room when you've got um, Gary Clark who leads Hillsong and Brian Houston who lead uh, Gary Clark leads it in London Brian Houston leads it kind of worldwide and um, oh, Nicky Gumbel's there saying hello very posh and nice and um, then um, a guy called Pastor Agu, who leads uh, the Redeemed Christian Church of God in this country, and uh, he was talking about how they just gathered the, a couple of days before. They had 40,000 of them gathered at the Excel building for a night of prayer. What? 40,000 people. You know, you're hearing that, that, that Christianity is dying off and nobody's interested. And then he said that uh, the Sunday before, they'd just started six new churches. Just planted six new churches, and um, and they've got a plan to launch another 27 in the next six months around the country. So um, you know there's something going on there, isn't there? And then um, in the middle of all of this that we've had going on as a church, you guys started here. Somebody saying whoop, yeah. And I'm looking around and thinking it's already full. You need to move. I know you've just got settled, but you need to make more room. Really, I, mean, I think it's time to go to the next academy, really, really soon. Yeah, because um, yeah, because basically people only come when and people will come when there's when there's room for them to be able to come. And I think you really need to look at how do you make more room, which is a really good problem to have, isn't it? So so soon after this has started to be then thinking, well, how do we make more room for more people? Because that just shows it's being led well and teams are working well together and uh, God's blessing it. And it's amazing that that's happening. And Didsbury at the same time is still packed out as I speak. And uh, we're going to be 
looking for more places and different ways of doing it. I've got some some exciting things just to pray about. There's, there's something that there's a possibility over kind of Cheadle area we've been looking at. There's something um, in the centre of Manchester, a really exciting conversation to have with somebody there. These are just sort of things to pray about rather than any announcements. But there's there's things that you know God could have opened doors for us. And then last weekend I wasn't I was in Romania which was a, a former communist country, which in you know late 80s, you couldn't even say the name of Jesus in that place. And I ended up going in a, in a cinema um, where there were, it's a, it's a place called Cluj, which is, um, there's like 800 students gathered in this cinema, more than 800 young people um, worshiping Jesus and a load of people became Christians on the, on the Saturday night and then on the Sunday morning I spoke again and more people giving their lives to the Lord in this, this former communist country. It was, it was amazing. And, um, then I didn't fly back home, I flew to Luton, where I was part of another group of, of leaders of churches that are all trying to um, think about how we can be generous, how we can reach out to our communities in more generous ways. Three days, imagine that, the picture you usually get of churches is like they've got a thermometer outside saying, oh please give us money to keep the roof on. But this is like three, this is like, you know, I think there's like 50 odd churches that we're all trying to find ways. How do we become more generous and more of a blessing to the world rather than how do we try and get more money for, for us? And um, it's so exciting and um, to have all of that. And everybody's kind of being coached. Everybody's learning because this is how we grow. Everybody, we need to keep on learning. I've been you know, in ministry for quite a while, but I'll go to things like this because I want to learn from other people. I don't want to stay static in my faith. We're going to talk about that tonight at seven o'clock. A really challenging um, passage that God got me with just two days ago. I was praying about what I could speak on tonight. And to be honest with you, I think it's a, it's a word. It's from Hebrews chapter five. And it says, by now you should be teachers. It's like really challenging. It's like you, you've been long enough You've been long enough just getting it for yourself. By now, you should be teaching. Who are you teaching? I'm going to be looking at that tonight and how do we get on with, with and this is for everybody. This isn't like there's some people in the church who get to be teachers. He's, he's addressing everybody in this church and he's saying, it's long enough. You've been sitting around and on the edge of this long enough. It's time you didn't just get it for yourself, but you became a teacher. So if that's something that uh, interests you, please come at seven o'clock tonight. And you only get to be a teacher if you learn. And uh, to, listen, to learn, you have to listen. I'm going to talk about that tonight. On the plane, um, I, there's those instructions, aren't there? When the stewardess gets up or the steward and stands there in the middle and points to all of the exits and nobody's really listening unless there's something terrible happens, then everybody's starting to listen. But um, they also have the, they ask you to read the safety cards, which nobody ever really reads the safety cards. And, but some people, a few years ago, as a joke, went and put these, uh, these safety cards in and replaced them on various planes with like terrible things happening on the planes and everybody kind of being set on fire and stuff. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was like, ah, panic. You know, imagine if you got that. It suddenly becomes a bit of a more urgent message. And um, the thing that they always say about, they say at some point, if you're going to go and help others, before you help others, what do you do? Put the oxygen mask on your own face, don't you? Before you go and put it on somebody else, you have to do something about, about it yourself. And that's wisdom for life. Before you can really assist other people, put the oxygen mask on yourself. So we're in this series um, of care, how do we care for others? But sometimes people end up getting burnt out because they, um, they, they're caring for everybody else, but they're not actually taking care of themselves very well. And in the end, they need taking care of instead of being able to care for other people. And, um, and to do that is not selfish, it's sensible. 
to do that is not selfish. It, it's safer. It's better for everybody. The people who can best take care of others are those who best take care of themselves, who look at their own physical health, who look at their own emotional and mental health and, and regularly assess that. And, um, you know, it's connected. How much you can help other people is how well you look after your body. It's connected to that and your emotions. And it's how close you are to God and your prayer life and, and those kind of things. That how much you eat and how much you get to sleep are deeply spiritual issues because they, they make a massive difference. It's really hard to get up to a seven o'clock prayer meeting when you're out till three o'clock the night before. You know, it just is. You, if you're going to do that, if you're going to get up early, what do you have to do? Go to bed early. You, you have to change a discipline in order to be able to be a disciple. The word discipline and disciple are very closely linked. So if we change our disciplines, we can become a better disciple. And if you don't look after yourself, chances are nobody else will until you need really looking after. And then you're going to end up in counselling and you're going to end up with all kinds of, of issues that you need a lot of help with because you weren't very good perhaps at, at looking after yourself. And we said in this series, it, this is about, this is for everybody. Everybody can care for somebody. Everybody, instead of backing away when they see a need, can, can cross over, can get close, can make a connection, can do something to be able to help. This is, this is for everybody in the body of Christ. And today's message is summed up in what God wants you to do to, and to help you to remember it in just two words, which are be well. If you want to be useful to other people, be well. Be well yourself. The Bible character that's going to help us to think about this is one called Moses. And I bet everybody's heard of Moses, whether or not you've read a lot of the Bible or not, you're going to know um, that he's the guy who, who led, you know, he's like the prince of Egypt. And then he came and he led the people out of Egypt and he held up the, the staff and they walked across on dry land. And then they went into the promised land. That's what Moses's job was. But was that the end of the problems when they got out of Egypt? No, it wasn't. Because they had a long, long journey to be able to go on before they could get into the, the promised land. He didn't just get them out. The problem was he had to get them in. He had to lead the people. And that, I think, began to be really the, the start of a lot of Moses' troubles because the miracles were easy. You know, anybody, to be honest with you, can lift up a stick. I could do that, look. Behold. You know, you've got to kind of do it. And, and, uh, but really, all he did was lift up a stick. God did the miracles, but now he's got to do something else. He's got to, uh, having brought the people out, he's got to bring the people in. And it's, it's easier sometimes to bring people out than it is to bring them in. You know, to, for, for, to help somebody to say, hey, you want to become a Christian, give the life to Jesus. Yeah, me. All right, now, are you going to fully live out that life? Oh, I don't know. That means I've got to change some things. See, what they did, it says that they weren't able to enter in because they didn't actually have faith. So they wandered around the, um, the, instead of entering in. If you hold your left hand like that, have a look at it, and that is a, like a map. You've got um, down here, your thumb, and underneath there is like Egypt. That's where they kind of came out. And then they went up, and all they had to do was kind of cross over the, if you've got like a ridge on your thumb they just had to cross over that and they'd be going in towards the, the, the towards the promised land oh in fact no what are they going to do they're supposed to enter up the left hand that, that that finger what's that one called index they're supposed to just go up into the promised land yeah that's all they had to do 
But instead, they weren't able to enter because of unbelief. And what they did instead, they kind of wandered round and round in the desert. Just do that, round and round the garden like a teddy bear. That's what they did for, for 40 years. Till eventually, all, that, all those people died off, apart from two of them, who were called? Joshua and Caleb, who then went up the middle finger, crossed over the River Jordan, which separates them, and then into the Promised Land. Look at that, you've got a map of Israel and Egypt that you can carry around with you anywhere. Yeah? If you get a bit of sandpaper and stick it in the middle, you've even got a bit of desert. I don't encourage that. So, God had called Moses to be a shepherd, first of all, so he had some experience of leading some animals. Then before that, he ended up being a leader of people. Before that, he was a, he was a prince, so he had some leadership responsibility as a prince, you would imagine, for 40 years. So he's 80, and then God says, now I'm going to start to use you, and I want you to lead my people. And he'd, he'd, all he'd done really before, like I said, was some leading of sheep. And God says, you know, that's quite a good qualification for leading my people, that you're able to, to be able to look after a bunch of sheep. But then something happened, and they're in the desert, and, and, and Moses is kind of looking after the people. And then somebody comes along to him, who's his father-in-law, whose name was Jethro. And Jethro wasn't just a shepherd, he was like a rancher. Um, he... At one point, Moses looked after some of his sheep for him. He was a shepherd for him, but he had lots of flocks and uh, he looked after them all. And then one day, it says that Jethro turned up and he looked at what Moses was doing and he kind of gave him a bit of coaching, some leadership and assessment in terms of how he was doing. And we can read about it in Exodus chapter 18, verses 14 to 26, which is going to appear on the screen, but if you want to, have a look at your Bible too. Verse 14 says, When Moses' father-in-law saw all he was doing for the people. You know, the number one fastest growing industry in the US right now is life coaching. And it wasn't even invented 15 years ago. So many people feel like their life's out of control and are looking for help with that. And that's really what Jethro is going to do here. And acting like a good coach, what does a good coach do? First of all, he saw, he observed. That's all he did, just watched. Then... Having done that, he asked some questions. He said, what is it that you do for the people? Why do you sit alone and judge and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? It's like you're sitting there all day saying it's lonely at the top while they just stand around doing nothing. Verse 15, Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to learn God's will. When they argue, they come to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor. I teach them the laws of God. I teach them, you've got to say that right, I teach them the laws of God. You've got to say it like that or it doesn't really work. Because he's been like a hero here in some ways. He's like, I'm the man. The, the reason why all these people come to me is I'm the man with the plan. You know, I'm the guy with the answers. They all come to me. Now, if there's a problem, I sort it. That's my job. I, I, I solve everybody else's problems. And he thinks that's being a good leader. He's trying to control everything. And he's doing his best. Do you think he's doing his best? Yeah, he's doing his best. Trying to get things done. But, verse 17, Moses, his father-in-law, said to him, what you are doing is not good. Say not good. Say it again so I can hear you. Not good. It's not good. You think you're doing good, it's not good. You and the people with you will become tired and weak for the work is too much for you. It's not good for them because you're 
they're underused, it's not good for them, and it's not good for you because you're so under pressure. You cannot, say cannot. You cannot do it alone. This is the greatest lesson that every leader has to learn, and some of us end up having to learn it the hard way. Nothing great was ever done alone. Do you, you, you think of any great accomplishment that was ever achieved? It took a team to, to be able to get Everest conquered. You know, uh, Olympic records to be broken. Nobody's just some solo effort these days in doing that. They need a team around them. You don't just cycle across Israel on your own. There's a team of people to, you know, fan Tim's, you know, sweat off him and, and you know, kind of rub him down with a towel and give him, feed him grapes when he was finished. Is that right? Yeah, and more. And more, and more than that, yeah. And, uh, you know, so we, we need to surround ourselves with great people to get great things done. That's why I'm glad I've got people like Tim and Ollie on the team. You know, we, we want to be about encouraging people to step into the greatness that God has given to them. You know, we've got Luke here who's just recently joined the team. He's helping out with, uh, with, with, on our youth. Say hello to Luke. If you don't already know Luke. And, um, you know, we've got Pete who stood up before who's leading our WTC. We've got so many amazing leaders that are, that are, that here at Ivy who are stepping up and some of them less visible than others but still doing great work and God sees it all. Now, listen to me. That's not me saying that. That's what it says. Now, listen to me. I will tell you what you should do and God be with you. You speak for the people before God. Bring the troubles to God. It's like, pray. Number one job of a leader. Uh, to be honest with you, if you do the number one job of the leader, you'll probably do all the others a lot better. Number one, pray. Stay close to God. My number one job as I lead the churches, Ivy churches, pray. I was with a friend yesterday, Pastor Komaloff. He leads um, Jubilee Church in Manchester. His wife just recently died. He's a lovely man of God. And uh, I, I just was with him for a couple of hours and prayed with him. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, I really want to learn to pray. And I just think you're an amazing guy to pray with. Could you help me to teach me to pray? I said, I'd love to come and pray with you. Like maybe, you know, I was thinking we'll do an early morning thing. I thought, that's going to work. because He's bound to be like an early morning guy. So well, could we do an early morning? And he went, he said, well, I don't tend to pray really like that early in the morning. I thought, oh, wow, I'm better than you. <laughs> so I said, oh, what do you do? He said, um, oh, I, I usually start praying about 10 p.m. till 2 or 3 in the morning. And then I get up at 8 and do the family devotions. Uh, no, not before that. Then, then I pray and then at 8 o'clock I do the family devotion. So it's hard for me to just slot somebody in in the morning for prayer. I, was like, I said to Zoe, it was like, an, like talking to an Olympic athlete and kind of realising you're just out for a jog. <laughs> pray, stay close to God, listen for his direction. If you want to get more influence for God, you have to get more intimate with God. If you want more influence for God, you have to get more intimate with God. Then, verse 20, teach them the laws. Make them know the way they must walk and the work they must do. We're going to talk about this more tonight. It's basically saying, be a disciple who makes disciples. Don't just stop with you. Teach other people too. And the more you read the Bible, the more you do what it says, the more we ask one another that discipleship question that we had up there regularly, not just on Sundays, but in all kinds of different ways, we're going to grow in God and we're going to have something to be able to share with others. In the way they should walk, which is about life and obeying God in life, and the work they must do, which is about how they find and fulfill all of God's purposes for them. We should be encouraging one another in those kind of things. 
We can all do that for each other. See, Moses is being called here to be an equipping kind of leader, to be an equipper. And if he'll not get too proud, if he'll just listen and learn, then he's going to go to a whole other level. So Moses must be thinking, well, who do I get on my teams? What kind of person should I be looking for on my team? Well, here it is, is the person spec in verse 21. You should choose from the people, able men, we're going to say women too, aren't we? Oh yeah, who fear God, men and women of truth, who hate to get things by doing wrong. It's like people who, you might, you know, because sometimes you can get things the wrong way, can't you? You say, no, it's people who hate that. They want to do the right thing the right way. Look for people of character, not just charisma. Look for people of, not just people of intellect, but people of integrity. Not just people of giftedness, but of goodness. Good people. This was the person spec. Now there's the job description. He says, have these men rule over the people as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times. It's like, let them do how much of this? All of it. At all times, let them do it. Have all the big troubles brought to you. But have them judge the small troubles. Because everybody can learn to lead, but not everybody can learn to lead at the same pace. And not everybody ends up with the same level of influence. But the way the Bible works, unfortunately, it's not often the way the world works, the way that Jesus talked about it is that if you're entrusted with little and you do well with that, then you're going to get much. You're going to get more. You get more responsibility. You get promoted. So whether you ended up, you remember the parable, some of you remember the parable Jesus talked about, the parable of the talents. And some people got one and some people get two and some people got five. But whether you got one or two or five isn't the issue. It's not what you started out with. It's what you did with what you got and whether you buried it in the ground and kept it in a nice handkerchief and you just sort of hid it or whether you dug it up and use it so Jethro as we can see here he's coaching he's discipling Moses and he gives him this reason and then he gives a brilliant reason because we can sometimes think I can sometimes think you know what it's easier to do it myself isn't it it's just easier for me to get it done myself but actually this says that that isn't true in order to multiply your effectiveness you have to do it through other people and how many like this reason? So it will be easier for you. They will share the work with you. See, we, we, we think, oh, it's easier if I just do it myself. No. It might be like that in the short term. In the long term, it will be far less effective. It's not good. Verse 23. If you do this and God tells you to do it, it's like saying, this is my advice, it's up to you whether or not you take it then you will be able to keep your strength. Isn't that a great picture? It's like you're not just going to feel tired all the time. You'll be able to keep your strength, your energy. You won't burn out. Too many people burn out. And God will be able to put so much more power through you if you channel it like this through other people. And all these people will go to their place. They're going to find their assignment from God because you're not trying to do it all. See, there's some churches where there's one person at the top who tries to do everything, and that invariably means nobody else gets to do much of anything. We don't want to be that kind of a church. We want this to be a place where people find their place to fulfill their purpose. 
Good news is verse 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law. I've got two son-in-laws. I hope they read this passage. <laughs> and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and he made them leaders over the people. Leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. They judged the people at all times. They'd bring the big troubles to Moses, but they'd judge every small trouble themselves. You've all seen an org chart before, I imagine. This is Moses' first org chart of what it looked like at first. You know, a company goes and maps out who's responsible for what. That's how it, first of all, was for Moses. Moses is in charge of everything. That's a recipe for disaster. Then he listened to Jethro, and Jethro was pr proposing a new org chart. Here's what that looked like. And I just want to go back, actually, to before this passage was read, and then we're going to pray. Because as I was reading this, and I was just preparing for this message, and thinking about all the places I've been to in recent weeks, and all the different stuff I've been involved in, and I bet as you look back over your last few weeks they've been pretty busy too and you've had plenty to keep you going I thought I'd better just look at the context of how this meeting came about and how the chapter starts that led to this meeting and it says if you notice that Moses had been doing all this ministry and all these miracles and then he gets a message from his father-in-law I your father-in-law Jethro am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her because who do you think had been looking after them while Moses was off doing miracles and ministry? Jethro. And I think he's a pretty smart guy, Jethro, in the way in which he sets up this conversation. I'm coming to see you, Moses, with your wife and your kids. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, it says, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being and they went into the tent. It's like, are you being well? Be well. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way, all the emails he had to answer, all the projects he was working on, all the great plans that he had, and how the Lord had delivered them. It's amazing stuff that's happened. You should see it. We saw wonderful miracles. There's been a mountain set on fire and there's been, the, the sea was parted. It was amazing. Yeah, you should have been there to see it. Yeah, and so should your wife and kids. Moses. Well, he was so busy, but they only got to read about it on Twitter or on, and saw pictures on Facebook. All the good stuff. And it says Moses, his sons, had two, he named them both. Do you know what their two names were? Eliezer means God help me. And Gershom means stranger. Wow. Thanks, Dad. See, I, I want to remind myself as I read this, and I you know, whatever your family situation looks like at the end, that we don't want the work of God to end up ruining the work that God's got responsible for us to love the people that are closest to us and the ones that are meant to love the best. And I don't want to come to the end of my ministry, however successful it is. And this Friday, by the way, I start my new television series on TBN UK, which is true. But, but I don't, that isn't what matters because I don't want the work that God gives me 
to kill me and I don't want it to be hurting my wife and my kids and the people that love me best and that I should be loving best. And so as we look at the org chart again, actually, that new org chart, um, what's most important for me isn't that wherever I am up the top of that, it's at the bottom because there's a 10 that I've been given. And if I steward that 10 well, if I love them and care for them, the people that are closest to me, then maybe God will then give me a 50 to look after. And then after the 50, we get to do hundreds. And that's the way it should go. So who are your 10? You've got a 10. You might not be married. You might not have children. You've got, you could think of 10 people that you're meant to love and pray for and care for and connect with. You're, they're like your church. You're responsible to, to steward and to shepherd. And as we learn to love that 10, then God can grow our responsibility to be able to reach out for others. Maybe some of you have got 50 that you're responsible for. You know, there could be, as you, as you go through the list, you can think of people that you see at the gym or people at work, people that you're responsible to and responsible for. And you're also responsible to love them for Jesus. Maybe some of you, you've got a responsibility for 100. It could be like, I don't know, you're a head teacher or, or something like that. And how is it going as you pray for them and as you care for them and look after their needs and love them like Jesus wants us to love them? See, I want to be more impressed by somebody who can love 50 really well than somebody who's got 500 or 5,000 coming to their gig to watch them doing everything. And uh, I want to burn brighter and brighter. I don't want to burn out. So, um, would you stand? And the band are going to come up. And uh, I'd love us to, I'd love to just pray for you. Because um, there's some people here, in a, in, in, you know, you've got a position of responsibility. You've got a position of influence. John Maxwell says leadership is influence. And it could be it's in here, or it could be out there. But, but if you... If you recognise that actually, first of all, you, you need the power of God more and more to be able to do that. And you need the wisdom of God. You need the Holy Spirit to come and, and help you to be able to have that influence for him the way that he wants you to. And to grow that well. Then just put up a hand to say, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I need. And secondarily, just to be... So it's, it's first of all, I need God. And then, and then at the same time to recognise I need others. I need to be in community together with other people. I can't do this alone. Let's just pray. Lord, please help me not to try and go it alone. I'm so recognised that I need to be anointed by you. I need your power and your wisdom and your help and your grace. So, Lord, thank you that when we ask for that, we're going to receive it. Let, let us live wisely and be well in you. Help us to be kind to ourselves and look after ourselves well. And then at the same time, help that to flow out to the people that are closest to us. Maybe God's bringing people to mind right now. That, you, you, that he wants you to go and, and care for. Maybe write a card to this week or, or send a text to before you even leave and just let them know I, I'm praying for you, I care about you. Somebody's going through a hard time. Don't miss that opportunity to do so, to encourage somebody. God puts it on your heart. And it's like, I just feel as we do that more, he'll give us more. 
the more you say yes to those little nudges to go and love and be kind, you'll get more. It's the way it works. Don't wait for a thousand when God's given you ten. Just really focus in on that ten, on loving them. Some of them know God already, some of them don't. Do you know who they are? Could you name them? Those people that you're praying for regularly, serving wholeheartedly, loving with the love that God gives you. Don't compare it to anybody else's number. That isn't what counts. As you're faithful in the small things, you can be entrusted with much. Lord, help us to steward well our gifts, our time, our energy. Help us to realise and remember who matters most. Lord, nobody else is going to look after my kids the way I'm meant to look after them. Nobody else is going to um, look after members of my family unless I'm looking after them. I'm sorry, Lord, for the times when I've chased after trying to look after lots of other people at, at their expense. Please help me, Lord, to, to order my life right. It's, you can't even bless disorder. So help me to order my life according to your pattern and your wisdom. To, to know who to say no to so I can say yes to the people you're telling me to say yes to. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.